Hi, my name is Della. Um, I am naturally not a gifted speaker, so please forgive me any awkwardness uh, standing up here before you. Um, today I'm actually going to speak on Plan B. No, not the contraceptive, that's my day job. Um, it's actually about a time where I had a plan and it didn't go my way, but uh, turned into a gift. So as humans, we often act first and think second, but even the most well-thought-out plans don't always work out as we plan. So I think these past, what, 20, 20 months, almost two years, have been, really been a plan B, okay, for all of us. So here's my story. Um, during this time, um, during pandemic, um, we celebrated our silver anniversary, Albert and I. We were planning on doing a nice, beautiful celebration with our friends, um, you know, amongst us, and many of our friends who were also celebrating their 25th anniversary. So years ago, we had envisioned maybe a grand tour, grand plan, um, and cruising along one of the rivers in Europe. Beautiful, romantic, great way to celebrate 25 years. Well, of course, pandemic happened, and that did not come to fruition. But, um, you know, this pandemic pause caused us to move on to plan B. So a smaller group, just the couples this time, uh, were planning to celebrate uh, this milestone. And, you know, as the number of participants grew, the number of celebrants, uh, excuse me, shrank, the number of celebrants grew. So instead of three couples celebrating, now grew to four and five couples celebrating. So that was a blessing in and of itself. Uh, the group composition changed. Um, so we searched for places that would accommodate, you know, schedules and budgets and preferences and activities. And finally, after months of emailing and texting and searching and vetting out places to go, we landed on a beautiful place um, out in Temecula. So this is going to be our holiday weekend. So I went ahead and I booked all the rooms. And a few of the couples decided they wanted to utilize their you know, reward points, et cetera, to, to pay for the cost of the rooms. So I went ahead and started to cancel those extra reservations. But then something seized my heart and said, stop. So I did. I didn't know why. <laughs> but it didn't cost me anything to hang on to those reservations, so I did. And about a month before we were due to start out on our beautiful weekend, one of the couples called in a panic because their reservation had been canceled. It was going to allow, not allow them to come with us. But thankfully, we actually had, again, another plan B that you know allowed them to continue to journey with us on this wonderful celebration weekend. So now we had you know, the right number of rooms, right number of people, and we're able to go and enjoy this wonderful weekend, okay? Uh, because of this plan B, we were actually able to change the composition of the group, and one of our group was actually a pastor. And during the course of this weekend, we were able to celebrate a wonderful meal amongst friends. We were able to travel to a location that allowed us to restore and renew our spirits. And um, most amazing was the last, you know, uh, meal that we had together. And that was actually, we celebrated, we were able to celebrate the Lord's Supper in this beautiful olive grove. 
which was normally open to the public, but being as it was a Sunday morning and we all ventured out early together, we had the entire beautiful grounds to ourselves. And in this beautiful setting of this olive grove, we were able to to, um, share amongst one another the blessings that we've received throughout the course of, you know, the pandemic. And most of all, celebrate our 25-year wedding anniversaries and celebrate with the Lord's Supper under, you know, this beautiful environment. Had this not been, you know, for the pandemic, causing us to go into a plan B mode, uh, we wouldn't have had that gift of, you know, celebrating together, um, you know, our time together as couples, as a family, and as a part of God's family. So that was truly a gift and a blessing. Thank you. And I'm uh, Jonathan, and uh, my prompt is to describe an experience, uh, a physical experience over the last year that was a gift um, from God. So uh, here's what I got. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded upon the seas and established it upon the floods. And these words are from Psalm 24, and they've kind of been a refrain for me over the past year as I set out each morning uh, for uh, my daily run. Um, The scope of the verse is in part really broad. It's the whole earth. It's the entire world. All that's the Lord's. And at other times in my life, that might have been a meaningful kind of uh, element of it. But over this past year, um, what God has been showing me is sort of the the depth of that verse, that the fullness of the earth is also its dimensionality, the further up and further in of particular places. And so I'm thankful this year for God's gift of the natural beauty of our San Gabriel Valley. Uh, for inviting me into the experience of his creation in this particular place. Uh, to experience the way the sun rises, kind of silhouetting over the front range, first as a halo over Baldy and then beaming forth over Wilson and Lowe and Lukens. To see the streets and houses, hills, trees and valleys, uh, snaking and stretching from Altadena down to the Channel Islands. To hear water falling in this deep stillness of Bear Canyon or the Gabrielino Trail to smell the pine trees that welcome me above 3,000 feet, and to taste the salt of sweat as I climb, to feel the drift uh, through pockets of cool and warm as I descend from bone-dry alpine air into saturated marine layer, and further down into the cities of San Gabriel, the extraordinary diversity of buildings, architecture, and design, the screeches and squawks of parrots and peafowl, the lemony aroma of scented gum, eucalyptus, the familiar rhythms of favorite streets, and the excitements of exploring new ones, the distinctive taste of dust in the trails in the Arroyo Seco. All of this is the Lord's, but whom am I to partake of it? The psalmist writes, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul under vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Who could possibly meet these standards? I know that my hands are not clean, My heart is impure. I regularly swell with pride and act in deceit and manipulation. But each morning, the fullness of God's creation is open to me as I set off into the San Gabriel Valley, not because of my own qualifications, but because of Christ's. Because of him, I have received blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of salvation. And so as I run each morning, I join the psalmist's refrain, Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Hi. Um, My prompt was, what was a gift that you only found in Christ? Um, 
the gift of Christ being the undistorted true image of God. Um, I give thanks for the second commandment that, and that God is the sole image maker. So there are images we make of others. This year, uh, mine were fragmented. It was that text uh, sent within the safety of the birds of a feather uh, group. It jarred me. It was the joking words of a benevolent and respected acquaintance until it wasn't a joke anymore, um, but sounds of just desserts. It was the social media post feeding as much hate as the other side my friends were condemning. So I didn't recognize people I knew, um, people made in the image of God. How could they be? Then there are the images we curate of ourselves. This year, mine was discredited. It was a text, again, a text, asking for help. Um, It was me tired of giving help, tired of this weekly request, um, tired of, again. It was the hearing but not the listening to a friend's soul. I had no words and left the chat box empty Uh, a day two days, a week, forgotten, but not really, because, uh, you know, there's the ghost of guilt and shame whispering its presence. I didn't recognize who I was. Um, I was made in God's image, but how could that be? And then I read in Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God. God gave an unblemished and trustworthy image of himself for me. This gift of Christ makes visible his love and compassion, his eyes that see beyond ugly, and his suffering that saves. Our human experiences can be fertile grounds for producing cynical disillusionment. In the midst of struggling with the complexity of being made in God's image and yet a sinner, the gift of knowing Christ to be the only unblemished and trustworthy image of God was my anchor. I give thanks that Jesus is the true advocate and the true friend. And because of that, I can recognize that a Christ follower who decries social and racial injustices can be the very same person who refuses to look me in the eye because he cut in front of me in that drive through line. It is a gift to know that in that moment, though he is not bearing God's image truly, Christ always is. It is a gift to know that I may be a horrible friend and in Christ still loved and even liked and forgiven. I give thanks that in Christ, the true image of God, we are re-imaged to be a truer advocate with truer compassion and a truer friend with truer, truer help. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Christy. And my prompt was, what was a gift that you experienced when you were at rest, on vacation, or being still? So my family and I take a number of trips throughout the year, um, so much so that I don't generally think of them as vacations. Uh, We have a six-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter, and um, I think I've heard it said right here at church that a vacation with young kids is not so much a vacation as just a trip. Um, compounded with the fact that we've committed uh, on a journey to homeschool the kids. 
So each day is filled with some sort of learning, whether it is at home or on a trip. Um, I've been surprised at each stage of my life, there's just, a, I don't know, more and more productivity sort of, you know, put upon me. Um, each kind of school required more work, and uh, when I started to work, it seemed that every job required more and more time and dedication. Um, and now as a homeschooling parent, along with a part-time law practice, um, time to be at rest there still has dwindled to the lowest amount in my life. Um, yeah, well, nonetheless, even though sitting at my favorite coffee shop, um, you know, lazily spending time in God's word is uh, kind of, you know, long gone uh, for the most part, um, I, I am really thankful to God this year for a couple avenues of peace and quiet. Um, definitely one way is um, just sitting here in service and being able to hear God's word here and in Bible study fellowship. So I really give thanks to God for that. Um, another is uh, what I call chicken holding time. So you might be wondering, what is chicken holding time? So it is exactly what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> I'm grateful to God this year because we got three baby chicks at the beginning of the year, and they have grown fast into adult hens. Um, so when we have time, we pull up a lawn chair, we hold a chicken in our laps, and then we pet it like one would do a Persian cat. So that is chicken holding time. I'm thankful to God um, for these chickens. They're very warm-bodied at 106 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, it's like holding a warm, living, stuffed animal. And it occasionally says, bok, bok, bok. So, um, yeah, chicken holding times and other times of non-movement, um, they are so precious to me. Uh, during these times of quiet, I, I am reminded in prayer from God that Nothing I do is required by him at the core of our relationship. He re enables me to do the things that I do, but those things don't define me, and they don't give me any standing before him, my Lord and Savior. One day I may have more stillness in my life again, but even in a time of frequent movement and busyness, God reminds me that I am his and he is mine forever because of Jesus' saving act. And I pray that each day God would continue to strengthen my faith and our collective faith. I just want to thank everyone from our congregation for sharing today. We have an opportunity now to hear from an esteemed guest who's with us uh, today. I had the privilege of spending much of yesterday afternoon with Jay Kyle, and I'm grateful for the chance to introduce him uh, this evening. Um, Jay and his wife, Maureen, have been planting churches through Redeemer City to City uh, for the past 20 years. They have served alongside leaders in Papua New Guinea, Mexico City, and throughout the Asia Pacific and Latin America regions. And Jay and his wife, Maureen, are from uh, Franklin, Tennessee. They have three adult children and nine grandchildren. So please help me welcome uh, Jay now. You're a good pianist. And you gals are great. So thank you. Um, I was uh, I was just going to say a couple words uh, before I jump into uh, my my word of thanks uh, to the Lord Jesus today. I uh, as we sang that song, I I couldn't help but be, remember times over the last 20 years as I uh, traveled into the great cities of the Asia Pacific area and Latin America, and so often. You know, you fly over these cities and you fly for 10, 15 minutes and you still see city. 
and you're, in, you're going over cities like Chongqing, China, with 38 million people, or in Tokyo with 36 million people, or the mega city region. You go from Tokyo and to, to Yokohama and Nagoya, and you go on down to Osaka and Kyoto and Kobe, and there's just people upon people upon people. I remember in Mumbai when I was uh, going into... Uh, I was in a northern part of Mumbai and in a very poor area, and we went into a slum. And I remember uh, people that were lepers that had no fingers, and they held my hands in their hands. And they had come to know the Lord Jesus because somebody shared the gospel, the good news with them. And I'm very thankful that someone shared the gospel with, with me and with my wife, Maureen. Uh, because if not, I would be lost eternity apart from Jesus Christ. And it's a privilege that I've had and Maureen and I've had over the last years to work with Tim Keller and Al Barth and, and other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to uh, form a city, Redeemer City to City. And I've been privileged. I grew up in Manila, Philippines uh, part of my life. I actually was born and raised here on the, on the West Coast for about seven years. Uh, but after that, I just moved and moved and moved. And uh, a lot of that has been around the whole goal to tell other people about Jesus Christ, to be like in Genesis chapter 12 where Abraham was told by Jesus, I'm going to be a blessing to you so that you can be a blessing to so many generations on and on so that they might know me. And that's what's happened. Uh, And when I I remember back in 2001 after 9-11, we had moved to New York City and my first trip into mainland China, and uh, I'll never forget uh, the times that I would go into Chengdu and and Beijing and Shanghai and Chongqing, uh, other cities throughout China, and I'd have the privilege of listening to this one story after story of how they had come to know Jesus Christ or talking to Kathy, uh, that was her um, American name, uh, but she was a businesswoman that had been studying uh, English at a very high advanced level in Beijing. We got on the plane. She was sitting next to me on the way to Chengdu, found out that uh, I asked her if she had ever read the Bible, and she said yes. And the short story is basically she said, I stole a Bible. I have a Bible. And I said, where did that Bible come from? She, she looked around this big airplane, and she said and whispered, I stole the Bible in a hotel in America. Uh, She said, you probably don't know this, but in between the beds, they have these Bibles, and we don't have them in our country. And I said, did you understand the message of the Bible? Did you read it? And she said, I got very confused. I just read the first part of it. So I had the privilege of leading her on that two-and-a-half-hour flight to know Jesus Christ as her Savior. As we touched down, she asked Christ into her life and followed up with her over the years after that. That's the privilege that we have. And now in China, uh, there's an organization there that actually uh, they're working, and the little part that I had for 12 years now has just taken off, and now we're working in 143 cities with uh, several thousand leaders and that's multiplying. They're starting many, many house churches in the midst of persecution. National socialism is, is the way in China today. It's not communism. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of our friends, my friends that are in prison, 
uh, people that you don't know, uh, but they're in prison in jail 50 to 100 every week. Uh, but they're doing that because they love Jesus Christ. Uh, I just close with this. I went into, uh, uh, met a young man in Taipei, Taiwan. It was a rainy day. I was trying to find someone that would go to downtown Taiwan to start a church, uh, right downtown. And I, uh, I pointed to the map. After seven hours, he said I talked nonstop. And I kept talking about, hey, we've got to start a church in downtown Taiwan. And, and I said, you know, right here, I pulled the map out. I'd been walking around downtown, you know, big deal, right? But, and I pointed the map and I said, we need a, a, a church right here. And he said, Jay, you know why there's no, no church there? It's so expensive, so expensive. And I, I said, well, if God calls you, he'll provide. Now, I didn't know that my finger was sitting on the 101 building. You know, that used to be the tallest building in the world. <laughs> that's an expensive, that's about putting it in the World Trade Towers in New York City, you know. And, uh, of course, they wouldn't allow any church there. And about a year and a half later, he called me. He said, I need to Skype with you. He said, we found the place for the church. I can get into the 101 building on the 52nd floor. I said, how much is that going to cost? He said, $1.2 million. I said, for how many years does that cover? That's the first year. And I said, the first year. And I said, that's $1.2 million. He said, you said, if God calls, he'll provide. And I go, oh, my goodness. You know, I think I was lying, you know. And, uh, and uh, it was, that was October 2008. Remember, everything kind of crashed. I said, well, I, I have $60,000. $60,000! He says nothing! And I, and I laughed. And, uh, you know, and I said, well, but I have friends. And so I introduced them to my friends, and God provided everything. And now they have a church there, and they've, they started many churches throughout Taiwan. And the Bread of Life churches, they're charismatic Pentecostal churches, and they are getting what, um, what I call gospel-centered Theology, but actually it's Reformed theology, and we just call it gospel-centered. And uh, and they love it, and they had a retreat the other day, 80 of these leaders, Bread of Life, all over the world, and they, they met, and uh, for three days, all they did was confess sin, and they wept. And these are people who are going to go out and start hundreds and hundreds of churches. So I want to thank you all. Uh, for your prayers for Redeemer City to Cities Ministry globally. It's been a tremendous privilege uh, to get to know Tim and others in this church over in Asia, and we look forward to how you all can, can, we can partner together in this ministry. And I thank God uh, for Thanksgiving, a time that together, even this evening, Maureen and I have had the privilege of celebrating with you the, the blessings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you.